If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We are in Revelation chapter 22. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you so you can follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We want to make sure you, everybody's got God's Word. Revelation 22. I can't believe we're going to finish today. We finished first service after a year. That's pretty over a year. So awesome. Oh, by the way, next week, First Thessalonians. So read ahead. Get prepared for that. Ready there? Getting there? Right, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this um, special time that you've allowed us um, to gather, Lord. You, you're the one that's gathered us. Thank you for providing this place, the freedom that we have to gather together. And God, we do pray for our brothers and sisters, um, specifically now for those in Burma that are, where their churches are burned down, where they are chased into the, the jungle and forest. As they're gathering today to meet together, that you would bless their time as well. As we open your word, we thank you so much for your word, for how you speak to our hearts, for how you shepherd our lives and we are in need, Lord, this morning. We, we need you, Jesus. We need to hear from you. We need desperately a fresh work of your spirit. And so we open our hearts to all that you want to do. You are the potter. We are the clay. Mold us, shape us, Lord. Do those things this morning that only you can do. By your spirit and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So we left off in verse uh, 16, but before we look at verse 16, um, this will be the last time for a while before I uh, do this again. So remember where we began, the context of how we got to where we are in chapter 22. The apostle John was on the island of Patmos. And Jesus came to him as he was exiled there. Um, John, uh, they tried to martyr John. They tried to kill him. And so they couldn't kill him. So the Romans sent him to this island. And while he was all alone, the Lord Jesus came to him and gave him the revelation of Jesus Christ. And just by way of reminder, in the first chapter, Jesus gives us the outline for the entire book. And I love that God has done this because it helps us understand what is being communicated. It helps us to interpret what is being communicated in his word. And not only that, there are over 500 references back to the Old Testament that help us understand this book as well. We don't need to come up with fanciful interpretations of things and try to make up our own thoughts of what the symbolic language says or the figurative language um, is communicating. The Bible is the best commentary for the Bible. Once again, I'm going to say that over and over again. And so we've worked our way through. In chapter 1, again, Jesus told John to write down, number one, the things that he had seen. Well, what did John see? He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, in all of his glory, all of his splendor, all of his majesty, that's what John saw. And then he said to write down, second, the things which are. That is chapter 2 and chapter 3. And you guys remember, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, seven report cards are given to the seven churches. But those report cards, we know, are applicable to all the churches throughout the church age, including us this morning, and not only corporately as a family, as a church, <clears throat> but also individually as well, because we learn what pleases Jesus, 
what displeases him, what a successful Christian life is in his eyes, what a successful Christian church is in his eyes. And so John was faithful to write down those things, even though they were hard too, by the way. There were some tough pills, weren't there, that we need to receive, we need to hear, and to make adjustments, to repent, to, to, to get back on the right uh, direction, the right direction we need to be, keep going on. And so, and then he said to write down the things which must take place after this. And that is chapter 4 all the way to chapter 22, future events. And what did John see in chapter 4 and chapter 5? Well, remember, he was supernaturally transported into heaven. And what did he see? He saw the Father sitting on the throne. He saw Jesus Christ, the Son, the Lamb of God, right, with the, with the marks of slaughter still on him with those fresh wounds, uh, fresh scars. Because of his sacrifice, he will bear that for all eternity as a reminder to you and I of the price that he paid to rescue and to save us. And so we also saw a special group in heaven too, didn't we? And there is only one group of people that can sing those songs in chapter 4 and chapter 5, and that is the bride of Christ, those redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so we see the church in heaven before chapters 6 through 19. Why do I always bring that up? Because Jesus is coming for us, the bride of Christ, before the wrath of God is poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. What will Jesus do? He will come like a thief in the night, and he's going to come for us. We will meet our Lord in the clouds, in the air, and he will take us to the Father's house, to the place that he's preparing for us right now. How do you know that? How do you believe that? Because the Bible says so. John 14, real clear. Revelation 3.10. He will keep us from the very hour of trial that will come upon the entire world. That's good news. By the way, we're called to comfort one another with those words. I hope it's a comfort to you this morning that Jesus is coming any moment for you and for me. Well, what happens after that? Chapter 6 all the way to chapter 19 is the seven-year period known as the tribulation period, right? Where, again, God will pour out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. Why? Why does God do that? Well, there's three reasons. Number one, God will fumigate planet Earth. He will remove wickedness and wicked ones. In order to bring the beauty of heaven to earth, it's going to take some pain. But with that pain that comes, many will get saved. Many will repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And not only that, God will be dealing with the nation of Israel. God's not through with the Jew. At the end of the tribulation period, at the end of the seven years, they will recognize the Antichrist is not the Messiah, and they will cry out for Jesus Christ in recognition of him being the Messiah. And what's going to happen when they cry out for Jesus? He comes from heaven. His second coming, that's what the second coming is. He comes with us. We'll be cruising on white horses. That's going to be killer. I can't wait. We're going to be cruising with Jesus. And what does he do? He sets up his kingdom. For how long was it again? Thousand years, literal thousand years. I think it says in Revelation 20, like, like six or seven times, thousand years, thousand years. I think that God wants us to know it will be a literal thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, what's going to happen? The great white throne judgment, where those that have rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, those who have rejected the witness of God in their lives throughout history will be resurrected, they will be brought before, uh, before the throne, they will be found guilty, and they will be sentenced to the lake of fire for all eternity. And it's heavy, man. And that's the reality. There's going to be some that will reject the Lord, and ultimately they will reject the free gift of eternal life found in Jesus Christ. And then what happens? New heaven, new earth, New Jerusalem, we live happily ever after. <sighs> How awesome is that going to be? With Jesus. It's going to be beautiful. And so in chapter 22, that's chapter 21 and chapter 22. In chapter 22, where we are, though, there Jesus is going to give a series of warnings 
a series of exhortations. There's going to be some comfort also given in this chapter, and we've seen that three times we are reminded, Jesus says, if Jesus says something three times, is that important? He says, behold, I am coming quickly, (laughs) suddenly, without warning. He says it three times. In fact, the last thing that Jesus says to the church is, I'm coming quickly, (laughs) be ready. And so we pick up in verse 16. Let's check it out together. God's word says, Revelation twenty-two sixteen. 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David the bright and morning star. Is yours in red writing, by the way? Mine's in red writing. We don't need to guess who's saying this. Jesus tells us right up front. And Jesus says, I have sent my angel. And I think it's, it's good to just pause there for just a second. All of the angels are under his control, his leadership, what he tells them to do. But he has a certain special angel that has testified, that has brought the revelation to John, and I've kind of like termed him tour guide angel, right? And so he's been the one showing John all these different things as the revelation has unfolded. And it's interesting because Jesus goes on record and says, listen, this I'm testifying to this. He'll say it twice. I'm testifying that what you're seeing, I'm bearing witness to it. To all of the churches. So us in the church today, Jesus bears witness. He testifies to the reality of this book. And he did it by sending his angel. And then he identifies himself also. Look at verse 16. He says, I am the root and the, what does it say? Offspring of David. What in the world does that mean? I'm the root and I'm the offspring, well, of David Remember, this is very important because this speaks of the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. How in the world does that work out? I don't know. Great, 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifested in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and what? Tabernacled among us. And it speaks of Jesus' incarnation, Him coming from heaven to earth, becoming a man, being born of a virgin, living a sinless life, and then giving his life willingly for you and for me, but rising from the dead on the third day. And so it speaks of his deity and his humanity. Remember what the Apostle Paul wrote. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. In Romans chapter 1, verses 2 and verse 3, it says there, uh, Romans 1, verses 2 and 3, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And so, again, how can he be the root of David? Well, he was the creator of David, and yet he was also, Jesus is also the offspring or a descendant of David. And that is absolutely crucial because the Old Testament tells us that the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world, is to be from what tribe? Tribe of Judah, from the line of of David. That's correct. Very, very important because line of Judah, tri, tribe of Judah, line of David, super crucial because the Messiah was promised to come. He was promised to be a Jew from that tribe, from that lineage, because there are people, and Jesus warned us about false Christs, false Messiahs that will be on the scene, that will claim to be the Messiah. 
And guess what? If someone ever comes to you and says, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah, you know what you get to say? Liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) Because my Jesus already came the first time and gave his life on the cross and rose again from the dead, and he's coming back for me. (laughs) What tribe are you from, bud? If if it's a girl saying that, she's already not... not (laughs) But if a dude says that, what tribe you from, dude? Well, I'm from Judah. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Why? Because the genealogical records were destroyed in 70 AD when the Romans wiped out the temple on the Temple Mount. All the records were destroyed. The only genealogical record or that we can know what tribe we're from if we're Jewish is if our last name is connected with Levi. So like Cohen, Kohath, Levis, uh, Levine. You guys know any Levines? Isn't that one singer? Levine? Yeah, whatever. If you ever run into someone like that, you can tell them, hey, you know what? Your name's biblical. Let me explain. That's a little bridge to share the gospel, by the way. That's free information this morning if you'd like to use that. Where am I going with this? Well, here's the deal, is that Jesus is both the creator of David and a descendant of David. And remember with me in Mark, I'm going to read in just a minute, in Mark chapter 12. Remember, it's right, it's Passion Week. Jesus is on the Temple Mount, and what's he doing on the Temple Mount? He's teaching the people, and all of a sudden, here come the religious leaders. You got the Pharisees, you got the Sadducees, you got the scribes, all of them coming in different groups, the Herodians. And they come, and they're tempting and testing Jesus. Can can you test Jesus? They're trying to find some fault in him. Can you find a fault in Jesus? No way, man. You'll find fault in his followers, but not in him. Like Pilate said, I find no fault in him at all. And so what's happening? Remember, at that time, the Jews were doing what? They were cruising in with their Passover lambs, and the Passover lambs were getting looked over for what? Spots and blemishes. And then here's the Lamb of God. And the religious leaders are doing what? Looking for spots, looking for blemishes. And Jesus answers their question. It's so awesome how he responds. Isn't it awesome how Jesus dealt with them? Can't trap him, can't trick him, can't test him. And then he turns the tables in chapter 12 of the Gospel of Mark. And he says, Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? How do the scribes, the Bible experts, the Bible answer men, how do they say that the Messiah, the Savior, is the son of... How could he be David's son? For David himself said, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So David spoke by the Holy Spirit, and David was privy to a father-son conversation. Do you guys see that? The Lord Yahweh said to my Lord Adonai, Father speaking to the Son, sit at my right hand. Who's sitting at the right hand? Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. Put them under your feet. And then he says, listen, he asks a question. Doesn't Jesus ask a lot of questions? That's why I ask you guys lots of questions. I want to be just like him. Therefore, David himself calls him Lord. Calls the Christ, the Messiah, Lord. How is he then his son? So how can David's Lord, his master, also be his descendant? There's only one way is if you're eternal. It speaks of Jesus. His going forths are from everlasting to everlasting. 
He is the eternal one who stepped into time to rescue us. And so there got, so the religious leaders probably got smoke coming out of their ears, steaming. But the common people, look what it says, and the common people heard him gladly. Isn't that the truth? Don't we hear him gladly? Well, he's the root and offspring of David, but he's also the bright and morning star. And we read this earlier in Revelation in chapter 2, I think it's verse 18, Revelation 2, 18, Jesus gave a promise to the church, those that overcome the deficiencies that he spoke of, Jesus said, in verse, no, I'm sorry, not 18, chapter 2, verse 28, Jesus said, I will give him the morning star. You know what Jesus is saying? He says here, I'm the bright and morning star. He says to the churches, those that overcome the deficiencies that he speaks of in the report cards, he says, literally, I'm going to give you myself. You get me. It's a reference to Jesus. Isn't that the best thing when we get to be in heaven with him? We get Jesus. We get to be with him for all eternity. But here's the deal. This is a messianic, this is a... A, uh, a prophecy that's fulfilled that comes from the book of Numbers. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. Numbers chapter 24. Jesus saying this is a fulfillment of a prophecy made by a dude named Balaam. Do you guys remember Balaam? He was kind of this quasi-prophet dude. You all remember him? Who hired him? King Balak, that's right. To do what? To curse the children of Israel. Did it work? Why? That sounded right. Because God was protecting them. Why am I bringing that up? Because there are people that have said to me before, Pastor, there's some witches out there that are casting something spells on you, man. Listen, I don't care if it's a white witch, black witch, pink witch, whatever witch. Or if they're poking dolls with my face on it. How can you say that? Because of what the word says. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin habitually. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. It's awesome. Well, in Numbers, I got to get there. Numbers 24, this dude Balaam tried to curse the children of Israel. They were under God's protection, under God's hand, just like you and I are today as his children. So don't let anyone trip you out and say, oh, they're casting spells on you, or God, whatever those dolls are. They're poking, right? Voot, thank you. Yeah, brujeria or whatever. Your life, your life is in the Lord's hands. So Balaam says, I see him, speaking of the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, Jesus. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. And so a star shall come out of Jacob. The bright and morning star will come out of Jacob. He will be a Jew. The Messiah will be Jewish, and he is certainly a star. Amen? And it speaks of the, the bright and morning star, speaks of that first star, that first light in the sky before sunrise that ushers in a new day. And certainly he's done that in our lives, hasn't he? He's ushered in a new day, a fresh start. And we just sang it too. Isn't that awesome? His mercies are fresh and new every what? Every morning. He is the bright and morning star. He's a star and he's the king with the scepter. And so back to Revelation twenty-two sixteen, We go on, verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life 
freely. This is so awesome because all the way up to the end of, this is the end of the Bible, by the way, 66 books, the entirety of Scripture, all through Revelation, we see God doing what? Reaching out to save people. All the way to the end. And it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not an it, not a force, not oil dripping from the ceiling. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity. And to encourage you guys to study even more, in John's Gospel, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus gives us Um, information concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. It's absolutely crucial that we understand that. Why do I bring that up? Because the Holy Spirit gets a lot of bad press. In In other words, a lot of stuff is attributed to the Holy Spirit that is like, whoa, that does not match up with what my Bible says. It doesn't match up with what I see in Jesus or hear in Him. And so, that, those chapters help us to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus, to show us our need for the Savior. Amen? He leads us and guides us in all truth. He, he comes to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. And so the Spirit, and who's the bride? You and I. We're saying, come. Come. Anyone that recognizes their thirst can come. What is this talking about? What, t- thirst, what are we talking about here? Y'all remember John chapter 4. There was a woman that Jesus came in contact with at the well. That's right, the Samaritan woman at the well. You guys remember that story? What was her name? Uh... That's a trick question, by the way. We're not giving her name. Jesus goes out of his way to meet with one woman. Out of his way, not only that, there was racial tensions, right? The Jews hated the Samaritans. Samaritans hated the Jews. Racism going on. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't care. He walks right through because... It's a human being created in the image and likeness of God. And what does he do? He pulls into this city, right? And he sits down at the well and he waits. And all of a sudden, here comes this woman with her water pot, right? And Jesus says, is thirsty and says, what? Give me a drink. By the way, that's not being impolite. (laughs) Give me a drink. And what does she say? How can you ask me? You, a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan, for water? No way. We don't even talk to one. What are you even doing here? And I love what Jesus says. He said, answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water, water of life. What did she say? No, come on. Sir, you got nothing to you got nothing to get the water with. You you don't got what it takes. Does Jesus got what it takes? He does, doesn't he? Sometimes we, we don't act like it. You got nothing to draw with, she says to him. And then she says, she has the can I say audacity? To say, listen, Jacob, our father, gave us this well. Are you better than him? And he could have said what? Of course I am. I wrestled him, choked him out, broke his hip. (laughs) What are you talking about? Am I better than him, greater than him? (laughs) But he's so gracious. He's so, our Lord, isn't he? My Jesus is so great, full of grace and truth. And he says to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. 
but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Hey, you drink of that water, you're going to thirst again. But what I have for you, you'll never thirst. And he's taking something from the physical and he's bringing it into the spiritual realm. Because we're going to see in just a moment that every one of us, including that woman, has a thirst within us. And it is a thirst that can only be quenched by the Lord Jesus Christ. By what he offers. And he is the gift of God. He's offering himself. Free gift to come into your heart, into my heart, to bring true satisfaction, to bring true life. But we try to satisfy that thirst with so many different things, don't we? With sex, drugs, drinking, power, popularity, a job, education. And it could even be a good thing. That becomes the enemy of the best thing, the greatest thing, the eternal thing. And so she's like, her response is, give me this water right now. I want it. And what did, she, what did Jesus say to her? Go get your, thank you, go get your husband. What, what, time out. I have no husband. And what did Jesus say? Isn't it so good? You've well said I have no husband. Listen, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband and that you spoke truly. You see, she's trying to satisfy the thirst with men, with relationships, with sex, with immorality. And it's, isn't it so beautiful what Jesus does here? Before he can give her the living water, the issue of sin has to be dealt with in her life. Before the living water, we have to be honest with who we are to acknowledge our need. And it's so important, acknowledge the sin in her life because sin ruins lives. And God sent his son to save us, to rescue us from sin, guys. He came to rescue her. And so you know the end of the story. She recognizes that he is the Messiah, the Christ and then she goes and does what? She goes and shares with others about him and goes to minister also. And so as we go back now to Revelation 22, what's going on there? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit right now this morning, if you haven't come to surrender to Jesus Christ and give your life to him, the Holy Spirit's calling it, come. It's not too late. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, come on, bring it. He's not saying, go, get away. God's not saying, get out of here. You make me sick. He's saying, come, just the way you are. Let me satisfy you. The bride, the church. Listen, let me challenge us, church. Are you still saying, come? Are you still saying, come on? Sharing grace and truth with those around us. That Jesus is alive that he wants to satisfy you and forgive you and give you a fresh start. Or, listen, and here's the challenge this morning. Maybe, maybe you've drifted away from the Lord. Maybe you've been trying to find satisfaction in other places as a believer. How can you say that, Mike? Come on. Do you know what happened with God's people in Israel? And God said to him, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Did you all catch that? Because what, what, what happens in our lives sometimes is that we're all in. Lord, 
I'm all yours. I'm surrendered. I give you my life. I'm broken. I recognize my need. And what does he do? He forgives me and he fills me. And I've got a new life, a fresh start. And then after a while, you walk with the Lord. And what can happen is you can slowly, incrementally drift away from that fresh, current relationship with the Lord. And the Lord says, I haven't gone anywhere. You've turned your back on me and you're looking for satisfaction everywhere else. You're trying to make your own little cistern to fill it up with water and it's broken, it's cracked and it's gonna continue to leak. And it's so beautiful because Jesus, what's the solution? Maybe you're there this morning. You've come to the right place. Because what does Jesus say? When you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. It's always about coming back to Jesus. It's always about coming back to, no matter what's going on in your life, maybe you're not fresh and current. Maybe you've been dabbling and and, and doing stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing, and you're saying, I'm going to find satisfaction here. I'm going to be filled up by this. I'm going to be... And the Lord's saying, how's that working out for you? And he says, come to me. Be filled. Get things back on track. And let him who hears say, come. Are you, are you hearing this morning? Oh, yeah, amen, pastor. Preach it. Hallelujah. Are you hearing? The Lord wants to rescue people. Who does he use? he use? He uses rescued people. Those that have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Have you tasted and seen the Lord is good? God's going to bring people into your life, and it's time to say, come, let me introduce you to my Jesus. Let me introduce you to the one that satisfies me, that saved me, that gave me a fresh start, that cares for me, that has his, has his hand upon my life, leading and guiding me. You and I get to introduce people to him. The spirit, the bride, if you're hearing this morning, don't blow this off. Don't harden your heart. Come. And you're thirsty this morning. He who thirsts, come. And I love what it says. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Freely means undeservedly. We don't deserve it. It's by grace. And you come to him. So simple. Come. Well, I don't know how to share. What do I share? Y'all remember the, the former demoniac? Remember the dude that got set free? Gadara. You guys remember that? He was out in the tombs, right? He was a cutter. Looked like something out of like MTV. Got the chains. and Comes flying out of the tombs when Jesus shows up. And he's got visitors, you guys remember? It's hard to say, is that the demons are talking, he's talking. Here's the deal, bottom line, there was something left in him to cry out to Jesus. And Jesus set him free. Just like he set me free, he set you free. And remember what he said? I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to hop in the boat. I would have said the same thing, let's go. I'm hanging with you, Jesus. I don't want and what did Jesus say to him? He said, no. Sometimes God says no, by the way. And so what did he do? He said, go back to your friends. Can you imagine what his friends were like? (laughs) Go Go back to your friends, and and, and here it is. How can I share tomorrow? How can I share this afternoon when I go to Costco for my free samples? Here you go. Y'all ready? What Jesus said to him. Go tell them all the great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So, So listen, has the Lord done great things for you? That's about half the room. Has the Lord done great things for you? Yes. Has he had mercy on you? You got a testimony. You're ready to go. Just like the, Jesus didn't say, you don't need to go to Bible college for a while. You know, make sure you got your, you know, your eschatology and your hermeneutics and hermeneutics and whatever nudics. 
go share. Go, just go share. And go to those who you share darkness with and share the light of the world with them. How about 18 and 19? Buckle up, gang. I'm going to probably step on some toes, little heads up. Well, not on purpose. Isn't that the job of a pastor? Comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Some of you get that later. It's totally cool, man. This is heavy. For I testify, and we don't know who is speaking here. Is it the angel? Is it John? It doesn't matter. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God-breathed. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. What book are we talking about? Revelation. If anyone adds to these things... God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If you add to Revelation, God says you're going to be a recipient of the plagues, his wrath, his judgment. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy... God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. If anyone subtracts from the book, takes away from the book of Revelation, what does God say? Your name will be scrubbed from the book of life. You will not partake of heaven and all of the blessings. That's heavy. Does anybody want to monkey with God's word this morning? What's the, here's the, you ready for the application? Real simple. Do not be an editor of God's word. Well, wait a minute, pastor. Once saved, always saved. You can't lose your salvation. I don't know, man. You start monkeying with God's word, that's the promise. I'm predestined. I'm elected. I'm chosen. All I know is, listen, you start monkeying with revelation. I didn't say it. God said it. The one thing I do know, the only safe place, secure place to be in the whole wide world is to be abiding in Jesus Christ. That's all I know. Outside of that, man... Jesus said, abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. You're not abiding in him. What does he say? He said it. You'll, like, wither it up, throw it in the fire, man. I'm not going to monkey with God's word. I'm just going to, that's what it says. You search the scriptures for yourself. Here's what I know. Jesus had the heaviest words for the religious leaders of his day. What were the Pharisees doing? They were, thank you, they were adding to the word of God. Correct? He said, you make the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. You've elevated your traditions, your, your extra biblical commands and rules and regulations. You've elevated those over the word of God. You've canceled out the word of God. That's heavy. Remember the Sadducees? Remember the Sadducees? Remember how to remember them? You guys already know. It's sad, you see. You'll be able to remember that. That's how I remember it. It's sad, you see. They didn't believe in the resurrection. Angels, the supernatural. What did Jesus say? You're greatly mistaken. You don't know the word of God nor the power of God's word. They took away from God's word. Pharisees added to it. Again, man, the, the lesson for me is so many people over history have shed their blood that we might have the truth in our hands. 
faithful men and women that we might be able to sit here and have God's word in our hands. Tomorrow morning to be able to open up your Bible and read it. And I would say for any pastor, preacher, teacher, any person listening, not in this church, online, on the radio, wherever, if you're editing God's word, woe unto you. The problem is you have no fear of God. Isaiah 66, verse 2, second half says, God says this, the Lord says this, but on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. What does it mean to tremble at his word? It means you have a fear of God. You realize this is God's word. It's not just words on a page. It's from his heart to your heart, to my heart. He, Psalm 138, verse 2, he magnifies his word above his own name. How important is his word? His word has the DNA to change our lives. It's the seed of God's word that has the DNA to change our lives. Even the book of Revelation. Every jot, every tittle. That's why you guys have known, you've been sitting through the Bible study for a year through Revelation. And you know when there's been things that I've hit, I've said, this is what I think, this is my opinion. You can take it or leave it, or I would say, you're entitled to your own distorted opinion. Correct? Have I said that? Some of you are laughing. You know exactly. I've said it many times. I'm not sure because I don't understand every bit, every part and parcel. But God says what he means and he means what he says. Here's what it says. It's funny because we had a guy year, years ago came to our church. And he, I was standing at the door like normal. And he leaves and says, I don't know what's so great about this church, man. All you do is read the Bible and tell us what it says later. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Not hard. Here's what it says. Here's what it means. Here's how I'm going to apply it. Not hard. We're sheep. Are sheep like brainiacs? Not the most intelligent folk. That's why we need a good shepherd who nourishes us with his word, who washes us with the water of the word. Like David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's the one that makes me to lay down in the green pastures to feed. Besides the, what? The roaring, raging water? No. The calm water, fresh water. He, Jesus, restores my soul. It's not opinions. It's not ideas. It's not whatever. It's the word of God. We all need his restoration, don't we? Our souls, like every day. And so we finish up, I can't believe it, hallelujah. He who testifies to these things, including verses 18 and 19, he says, surely I am coming quickly. Who's that? Jesus, Jesus he's coming. That's the response, right, of the church. Look at, look at what it says, Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. I, I need to stop real quick because someone asked me for a service, a young man, and said, I'm torn about praying for the Lord to come because there's people that, that I know that aren't saved. It was like a great question. But I share with him, Maybe you sharing about the Lord coming and why you believe that will help them come to know the Lord because if the Lord comes today and takes you out of here, 
you've shared the truth with them, what you believe, and it may take the tribulation to break them that they might surrender to Jesus and come to know him. And so there will be people that will mock us in the last days. Where's the promise of his coming? You've been saying that for years. Yeah, and it's kept me on my toes. Jesus wants every, every church age, every church group to be ready for his return. To be waiting patiently for him about his business. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And I love this, how he ends. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you so much for this amazing book. God, please help us that we might walk in the things that you've communicated, that we would stay fresh and current with you, Lord, abiding in you, seeking you, living for you, walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. That we would bring you glory, that your name would be hallowed. I pray for my precious brothers and sisters, Lord, that you would just work in their hearts, their lives, their homes in such amazing and special ways. And that you would give us boldness. You give us boldness to share before the time expires. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving us, giving us life. And this morning as we are still in an attitude of prayer as we finish our Bible study, perhaps you've come in this morning, you've been listening, and you recognize that you are empty inside that you've been trying to satisfy the thirst in your life with everything under the sun apart from God. Or, or maybe you've been saying, yeah, I'm a follower, but it's been name only. And you haven't been seeking the Lord. You've been seeking your own will, your own desires living for the things of this world and you realize how empty you are today. You recognize that you've sinned against God. Jesus came to save sinners. That's all he has to work with, all of us. He came to save us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. reaching out to you right now and we're saying come the Holy Spirit saying come come as you are drink freely of what the Lord is offering today to you you come just as you are he loves you he demonstrates his love for you and for me by dying on the cross your sins and my sins. He suffered, he died and was buried and rose again on the third day, demonstrating that everything he said is true. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he's calling you right now out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is that you this morning? Will you come to Jesus? Will you come? If that's you this morning, let me pray for you. Real simple, right where you're sitting, you can raise up your hand. And I'll lead you in a simple prayer as you give your heart to Jesus. If that's you this morning, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. You raise up that hand. Let me pray with you this morning. Anyone at all, you raise up that hand so I can see it. That's you this morning. All right, I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Anyone else this morning?
this one that has raised her hand. You can repeat this prayer right where you're at. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. Thank you for dying for me, for my sins. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you wash me and cleanse me? You promised you would. Would you fill me with your spirit? I don't want to go back to those sins anymore. I give you my life. I love you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for this precious one that has raised her hand. Lord, you know our hearts. Would you please keep her close to your heart? Do a marvelous work. Thank you, Lord, um, for rescuing her, bringing her out of darkness into your kingdom, the kingdom of light, from the power of Satan to your power, Lord. And may she experience your power, your strength, as she simply trusts and obeys you each day, as she walks with you, as she follows you, Jesus, that her her life would thrive and abound under your care good shepherd's care, just as our lives have thrived and abounded under your care, Lord Jesus. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you that our names are written in your book of life. We rejoice, Lord, we rejoice this morning that you've saved us and our new sister. Thank you so much, Lord. And it's in your name, your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray And all God's people said, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Awesome. So awesome. Praise God. Um, For this young lady that raised her hand, we have a a bag for you and a Bible, and we want to help you get uh, started on your journey with Jesus. The greatest life there ever is is walking with him. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. He said that you would come and we beheld you. The manger to the cross your promise kept. Now your spirit and your word assure our hearts it's true. You will surely come again. Come, O Lord. Come, O Lord, Maranatha. We're longing for the hour of your return. Jesus, come fulfill all you've promised. Our hope is built upon your every word. Burning in our hearts the hope of glory. Your faithfulness, our confidence and joy. Let these momentary trials purify our faith. Oh, our hearts can't help but say, Come, O Lord, Maranatha, we're longing for the hour of your return. Jesus, come, Jesus, come, fulfill all you've promised. Our hope is built upon your every word. Yes, we are longing for the hour of your return. Maranatha and Come and find us ready Come and take your bride 
let us see your beauty with our very eyes. Come in all your glory, shining like the sun. Roar like many waters, let your kingdom come. Come and rend the heavens, rip them open wide. Final resurrection, fullness of new life. Alpha and Omega, true and faithful friend. King of all the ages, beginning and the end. Come, O Lord, Maranatha. We're longing for the hour of your return. Jesus, come, fulfill every promise. Our hope is built upon your every word. Yes, we are longing for the hour of your return. Maranatha. Though we have not seen you yet, we love you. Soon the clouds will part, the trumpet sound. All of history will bow, we will be with you. Every wrong will be made right. When our faith is turned to sight. And Jesus, we pray that you would come quickly. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your word. And we pray that you would seal these things up in our hearts, Lord. Uh, Teach us to be people who love your appearing and look forward to your coming. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.